Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. So follow me with this real quick. How would you like to develop and enact a leadership philosophy that's uniquely your own. To develop an approach that is influenced both by your life story and by your aspirations. And a strategy that allows you to show up more authentically and effectively. If something like this is interesting to you, then keep listening. Because there's a new book that's just been released that may have the answers you need to get to that point. Our guest today is the CEO and founder of Conant Leadership, which is a mission-driven community of leaders and learners who are championing leadership that works. He is the former CEO of Campbell Soup and former president of Nabisco, as well as the author of a new book called The Blueprint, Six Practical Steps to Lift Your Leadership to New Heights. Now get this, he is the only former Fortune 500 CEO who is, first of all, a New York Times bestselling author, a top 50 leadership innovator, a top 100 leadership speaker and a top 100 most influential author in the world. In other words, this is someone you want to pay attention to. So without further ado, here is Doug Conant. Doug, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm happy to be here. So I'd like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. So you ready for these? As ready as I'll ever be, Josh. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Well, many years ago, about 35, I was fired from a job, and uh, that in and of itself was a challenging story, but uh, it was a difficult day. I was sent to an outplacement counselor by the name of Neil McKenna, and it was the most devastating day of my career. And when I called him to schedule an appointment, he answered the phone and said, hello, this is Neil McKenna. How can I help? This was before caller ID. These were on landlines. And he was just there to help. In fact, everybody that ever called him, he would answer the phone the same way. How can I help? Mm. You could have been the plumber or a door-to-door salesman. He was still there to help. And those were the words I needed to hear at the time. And quite frankly, for the last 35 years, I've been approaching virtually every interaction I have with a how can I help mentality. You know, when somebody says just the right thing in just the right way at just the right time, it's amazing what a profound influence it can have. And that was an influence on me. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Authentic, effective, and fulfilled. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? How can I help? What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? The book that had the most profound influence on me was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Covey. So that would be my answer. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Reflect on on your life story. 
harvest the lessons from that story and bring them to life in your everyday actions. I believe uh, your life story is your leadership story, and I don't think we spend enough time really uh, examining the experiences we've had and leveraging them to help serve others as we go forward. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I'm a why not guy. It's, uh, it all comes from an abundance mentality. And, and, and why can't you do both and as opposed to either or? So I'm a, I'm a why not guy. Now, Doug, we are here today to talk about your new book, The Blueprint, Six Practical Steps to Lift Your Leadership to New Heights. Now, this isn't your first rodeo. You've already written a book that was a New York Times bestseller. Could you give us an overview of The Blueprint and maybe talk a little bit about the secret to writing quality books that really can impact people's lives? I believe, and we don't want to get too overly conceptual here, but I believe that a good book needs to be aspirational and approachable. It needs to help the reader lift their sights. At the same time, they have to be able to see and touch it in a way that holds the promise of influencing them as they think about how they want to move forward. So to me, it's all about being both aspirational and approachable, and that's what the blueprint's all about. I could have just written a book, as Dan Pink says, with wispy tenets on leadership. Hmm. In fact, the second half of our book, uh, Amy Fetterman's in my book, of this book, is uh, we call it a manifesto, uh, 10 Foundational Tenets for Leadership in the 21st Century. The second half of this book is really what I think leaders need to think about as they go forward, but there are a lot of books written that way. What we've tried to do in the first half of this book is uh, find an approachable process to help everyday leaders, you know, all of whom hunger to do better. Uh, find a way to do better in a way that fits perfectly in their cockamamie life as it exists today. Somehow we've made leadership this unapproachable journey that people don't ever feel they have time to do. I mean, everyone feels swamped, right? You know, my friends at Harvard call it a VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And I would add changing at an increasingly rapid rate. People are, you know, they wake up, they barely have time to say hello to their kids before they're off on their day. They get home just in time to have dinner and say goodnight to them before they get on email again and feel behind the whole time. Who in the world is going to feel like I can approach lifting my leadership to new heights in a world where this is 24-7, 365 days a year? So what we've tried to do with the first half of the book is offer a very simple process to help leaders kind of become the leader they're meant to be. And I believe it all starts from your life story. I think all the seeds, and I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I've been doing this work for 45 years. I was active in the the corporate world for 40 of those years. And uh, everyone has greater potential. And it's in there already. And it's the challenge for them is to find a way to access the best of what they have to offer and to find a way to bring it to life. And that's the first half of the book, which are the six practical steps. I've had some discussion with people around six practical steps as it being overly simplistic. And I don't believe so. I believe life is complex enough as it is. Most of the books that are written are more complex than life, and you can't begin to act on on the approach that the book advocates. We designed something that was simple and compact and bite sized and could fit into the everyday life of the everyday worker, which I was for 40 years. 
so they can gently lift themselves up in a way that really speaks to them. And that is a breakthrough piece of work, in my opinion. Uh, I love all my academic friends and all the leadership gurus out there that write prolifically about lifting your leadership and leadership to new heights, but they haven't walked a step in, in, in most people's shoes. I've walked a thousand miles in those shoes. And while I'm a student of leadership, I'm also a student of life and I've lived the leadership journey. And uh, I think we found a way to thread the needle so that everyday leaders can find their way to a, having greater impact in a way that feels right for them with a process that fits perfectly in their crazy life because their crazy life is not going to change. And so the process has to accommodate that. So the six steps are, first of all, reach high, second, dig deep, then lay the groundwork, design, build, and reinforce. Could you walk us through some ways to think about some, if not all, of these steps? Well, the first, the first step, uh, we also call that step envision, where we challenge you to envision your purpose as a leader. Why are you choosing to lead? And we take them through some prompts and questions to help them zero in on, why are you choosing to lead? Leadership is a choice. And every interaction, you have a choice of how you're going to lead. And so you, we challenge people to think carefully, but not overthink it, and identify their leadership purpose. And that's the first step envision. The second step is reflect. We believe most of the answers to, to your leadership journey are already in your life story, but most of us haven't reflected on that life story and thought about it. We just are sort of living life by the seat of our pants, which most of us do. You know, stuff comes at us, we react. We help leaders in this second step where they are reflecting, and we call it dig deep. We challenge them to go through some prompts and questions about their family history what they learned, people that had a profound influence on them, and to harvest some of those learnings. In the third step, we talk about study. While those learnings and reflection are helpful, you also have to lift your head up and look at the world around you. And uh, we help them identify a few ways to study the world around them that works for them and fits into their crazy life. So that between the reflection and the study, they can develop a set of core beliefs about leadership. Armed with their leadership purpose and the core beliefs about leadership. In step four, we go to the design phase, which is build a plan. And uh, we help them find a way to design their own personal leadership model. You know, I've read, must be at this point, thousands of books on leadership and uh, attended lots of programs. And, you know, there were elements of each one of those pieces of work that appealed to me, but nothing fit me hand in glove. And that's because what I was learning was not influenced by my life story and my aspirations. What we help them do is sort of look at it through their eyes and develop the leadership philosophy that speaks uniquely to them so they can show up authentically and more effectively. And that's what the plan piece is all about. Then we move into practice. And at that step, it's all about uh, step five. It's about bringing your plan to life up through step four it's all conceptual. And what we have to do is bring it to life in the real world. And we help them identify practices that they can begin to implement on Monday, signature practices that signal to people, this is the leader I'm intending to be based on my leadership model, based on my core beliefs, and based on my leadership purpose. And as they develop the practices, we also help them think through how can I implement these practices in a way that will fit in the culture in which I operate. 
because they do have to have harmony between the way they're approaching things and the way the enterprise is expecting them to approach things. Virtually every time there's a way to do that. And then finally, the last step is all about improve because what we encourage people to do is, is examine what they just went through, their purpose, their core beliefs, their plan, their practices, iterate back through there and think, well, how, how am I doing? Uh, is my purpose holding up to scrutiny? Have I reflected properly? Do I have I studied the right things? Should I look at something else? How's my leadership model holding up? Uh, is there a practice I can add? So we encourage them to iterate through the process. Uh, and I guess the last piece of this, so those are the six steps and we encourage people to repeat it. The, the, the last piece I would touch on is we encourage people to forget perfection. This is not about finding the perfect leadership purpose, the perfect set of core beliefs, the perfect model, or the perfect set of practices, because life just does not work that way. We encourage them to do the best they can, learn from that experience, iterate through it, and then try and do it a little better the next time. And this is not about the pursuit of perfection. It's about the frequency of iteration as you go through the model. And if you keep them in short pieces that you can manage, this process can fit in the middle of anybody's crazy life. And mine has been as crazy as anybody else, and it fit mine. I love this process because by the end of it, you have a clearer understanding of who you are and who you're supposed to be as a leader and who you can become. Is this a process that Conant Leadership has used for a while, or with this book, are you introducing something new? Uh, it's an evolution of what I've been doing. When I was CEO of Campbell's Soup Company, uh, the first decade of the century, 2000 to 2011, uh, I started a CEO institute, and I was helping people build their leadership models back then, and I taught the class. It was a two-year program for high potentials in the Campbell Soup Company. When I retired, I started teaching a one-year program up in Boston with some colleagues from Harvard and elsewhere, and we did we created something we called the Center for Higher Ambition Leadership, where we also uh, were working on leadership models. And simultaneously, I also started teaching a boot camp in Philadelphia, where my offices are, uh, a two-day boot camp around helping people build their own leadership models and develop practices that brought those models to life. So I've been rolling around in this work with great intensity for about the last almost 20 years. And it, it reflects sort of a life journey I've had that, you know, was not pretty. You know, I had horrible reviews at times performance reviews. I, uh, I was fired from a job. It was a difficult time. And I learned from that. And I just uh, kept applying the learning, iterated through the process as it has evolved. It, I can talk about it now in three minutes, but I'm a little slow. And it took me about 40 years to codify it with the help of Amy Fetterman. Well, I appreciate you sharing it with us today. Now, you said that the first half of the book is a leadership manifesto, and then the second part you've described it as a practical manual. Now, the first half, if it is the first six steps you just described, seem incredibly practical as well. So what happens when you get to the, the practical part of the book? How do, you, how do you make something that's really helpful in the first place even more practical? I, I, made, I, made it, I made this overly complicated. The first half of the book is the six steps, and it's very practical. It's hands-on. It helps you go through your life and build your own customized approach to leadership. That's what the first half of the book is about. The second half of the book really offers my perspective based on experience of the 10 things that matter most that you ought to consider as you refine your model. 
so those are what I call the manifesto. And it's what I call 10 foundational tenets for leadership uh, that I believe will work in the 21st century. So those are my leadership beliefs in the second half. I didn't want to start off with those, though. I wanted to start off helping people kind of land on their own beliefs and develop their own thinking before I started tampering by offering mine. The second half of the book is, I think, meaty because it's chock full of stories and examples and time-tested things that I believe are essential to succeed in the world of leadership in the 21st century. But the first half of the book is all designed to help people customize their own approach to leadership, which is badly needed because people need to be able to feel as if they're showing up with great authenticity. They need to feel good about their contributions, and they can. Uh, at the same time, they got to get the job done, and they have to be effective. So to do that, to be authentic and effective simultaneously, you, it takes a little work, but not so much work that you can't get started on it. And that's the beauty of the blueprint. We make this whole process very approachable. So what are some of the things that you would recommend to leaders who are fairly early in their careers as far as leadership goes in the 21st century? Well, I, I think Shakespeare was right, to thine own self be true. I think the best way to be a more effective leader as you go forward, to, to impact the world outside, the first thing you have to do is wrestle with what's inside. And you have to land on, on, on you, your beliefs about what influences people and about how you want to walk in the world. And I believe that self-examination is mission critical. That's typically where leaders are falling short. They're learning all the techniques for managing things, but they're not well enough anchored in who they are and how they want to show up every day. I believe that the, the only way out of this is by going deep within. And that's where I encourage all leaders to start. That's the key step for actually all leaders. What I find is even C-suite leaders have become really proficient in their functions and in their skill sets, but they really are not, they haven't harvested all the learnings they had over a lifetime. And they've had, their people have had a profound influence on them and they've never really examined why was that and how can I be like that with the people with whom I live and work? We help them do that. So you've mentioned just now harvesting lessons and experiences. And previously, you've talked about iterating. That's the final step of the six steps in your book. Mm -hmm. Do you have any recommendations on some of the better ways to think about changing and iterating and developing as a leader? Because it can be easy to maybe look in the past and reflect and see what were some of the more effective ways that I have learned these lessons and kind of folded them into my leadership. Do you have any recommendations on how to do that? Or is it just something that in the moment you kind of feel it out and understand how you need to change and develop next? The way I think about it is, and I'm going to be overly simplistic here. I always think about leadership as the next time. Whatever I'm doing in the moment, how can I do that better the next time? What worked? What didn't work? What can I do better? And always thinking about, well, I'm setting up my next uh, interaction with this person or next time I deal with this issue, here's how I'm going to think about it a little better. So you, you do bring a continuous improvement mindset to whatever you do. And it's not that you're not pleased with what you've done, but you just hunger to do the best possible job you can as a leader. See, I do think that leadership, this is going to sound a little hokey. It does to some people. But I think when you're a leader, 
you've got to treat it as if you are on sacred ground. These are people's lives that you're affecting, their well-being. And you have to you have to treat that with the utmost respect. And you have to bring a how can I do better mentality to every contribution you make as a leader. And I have found if I bring that mentality to the work, how can I do better? It breeds an environment where everybody is starting to say, how can we do better? So I think it starts with a mindset. I think Carol Dweck out at Stanford has done a lot of work on this. She's written the quintessential book on the growth mindset. And uh, basically, in a nutshell, she's saying, you know, if you think you can do better, typically you will. And so what we're trying to do is establish a mindset of how can I do better? And then to, to harvest the lessons from the past, which we just talked about, but also be a student of what's going on around you. And I find lessons in great abundance wherever I look. You know, I'm looking at a, uh, a crazy experience that Major League Baseball is experiencing right now over a sign-stealing scandal. And I'm looking at how the commissioner's handling that. I'm looking at how the players are handling that. I'm looking at how the administrations of these teams are handling it. And I'm saying, how could I have done that better? In this case, it's not hard to see how it could have been done better. But those kind of life lessons are all around us. So we encourage leaders to lift your head up, harvest your life experiences, because your life story is your leadership story. But then look at the world around you and start to shape your story in a way where you're learning from what's going on right now. And then you're able to apply those learnings to uh, the way you walk in the world every day. I really appreciate and admire your desire to allow leaders to develop their own model and their own process because each person is different. They come from different situations, different backgrounds, and they're headed in different directions. At the same time, do you have any, any things that as you look back on your decades of experience in leadership that you would generally recommend to leaders to consider involving in their own lives? Well, I would say be a student of leadership in a way that works for you. It could be as simple as following people like me on Twitter, you know, and just to check, you know, a thought for the day. It could be listening to podcasts like yours. You know, be a student of the world around you as it relates to leadership. If you aspire to be a a leader and do it in a way that fits in your cockamamie life on the way to work. Or if you're having, uh, right before you go to lunch, you want to check your Twitter feed or whatever, create a rhythm around it and a practice around it, but be a student of the world around you. And you'll be amazed at how much you can learn. If you really want to excel at the craft of leadership, you have to be a student of the craft and you have to do it in a way that fits into your reality. And we offer tips on how you can do that. But I view this whole leadership journey as as a mastery out of a mastery model. You know, you apprentice at it and you try to become a master. And anybody that begins to master it learns that you can never fully master it. But uh, I, I encourage people to be a student of the craft of leadership. Well, Doug, I appreciate your time today. Before we close down the interview, are there any things that you would like to leave the listeners with or reiterate from our conversation today? The seeds of contribution, of leadership contribution, are already there in each and every one of your listeners. And what we hope to do, and we hope to help them do, or they can do on their own, is tap into the seeds of contribution, leadership contribution that are already there. They have the capacity to do better. 
And they should never doubt that, never doubt it. They can lift their contributions to new heights. They can look at the world around them and find a way to make a difference. I profoundly believe it. And I believe in the potential of each and every one of these aspiring leaders. And so uh, it's worth the fight. Lean in and uh, make the most of the opportunities in front of you. Well, Doug, once again, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast today and sharing with us your expertise and insight. Where would you like for people to go to learn more about you and the work that you're doing if people have connected with what you're doing? Well, they can uh, go to conantleadership.com. Our website will direct them wherever they want to go. And we are also very active on Twitter and LinkedIn. We are determined to help uh, this community of aspiring leaders do better. Uh, One thing of note is I take no salary for this work. Whatever money we make, we use to cover our overhead. And if we make more than that, we give it away to organizations that are trying to help build a better world. So we're in this for all the right reasons. We just want to help people do better. And we are finding that this kind of approach is getting great traction. So we encourage people to go to ConantLeadership.com or to follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And all those will be linked in the show notes. Doug, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, and good luck to you, Josh. As you can tell from today's interview, Doug is passionate about leadership and he wants you to succeed in your leadership responsibilities. Now let's go over today's three key takeaways. The first is that the key to becoming the leader you're meant to be is your life story. You need to learn how to access this and bring it to life. And obviously, Doug lays this out in the blueprint, and I encourage you to pick up a copy if you think this could be helpful for you. But I really like this idea that if you are going to be a unique leader that impacts people in ways that no other leader can, you really need to understand what you're bringing to the table. And one of the ways you're going to do that is by understanding who you are and the experiences that have shaped you and how that can influence your leadership. The second key takeaway is this, forget perfection. Now, obviously, you can try to get there. You can try to get better. And Doug recommended these three steps in order to do that. First of all, try. Second of all, learn. Third, iterate. Try, learn, iterate. And you will improve, but forget perfection. And finally, the third key takeaway is this. Be a student of leadership in a way that works for you and fits into your life. While I think that we can significantly reject this notion of busyness, if you're like me, you likely have a lot of responsibilities on your plate, a lot of things you're trying to juggle at the same time. So learn and grow in a way that suits you. Create a rhythm around it and practice it. I like Doug's idea that he shared, and that is to excel at the craft of leadership, you must be a student of the craft. Once again, if you liked what you heard from Doug today, consider checking out his new book, The Blueprint, Six Practical Steps to Lift Your Leadership to New Heights. And be sure to come back for our first episode of next week because our guest has a recommendation that seems to kind of go against the grain. And here is her message in a nutshell. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is nothing. We'll expound on that a little bit more next week, and I hope you'll be there when it happens. Until then, keep living and leading well. Hey. 
Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.